Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. In Greek, they have four words for love. Storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, means affection, the sort of love there ought to be between their relations. Philia, P-H-I-L-I-A, means friendship. Eros, E-R-O-S, is of course the love between the sexes. And Agape, A-G-A-P-E, is love in the Christian sense, God's love for man and the Christian's love for the brethren. I want to talk about all four, and I'll begin with storgi or affection. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are back. We are back for season three of the podcast that you know and love, From Babylon with Love. We're back with producer Zach Leach. We're back also with perennial co-host, Mrs. Laura Hashimov. Greetings. Welcome back, Laura. It Thank has you. been a summer, and we're on the end of this summer. We're about to be back for school, but as we were just talking about a moment ago, people are already back to school. Mm-hmm. We're starting a little bit later than some other folks. Saw kids walk into school with backpacks today. And masks. <laughs> uh, they were walking to school, so I didn't. I it does have a, but it is a weird feeling moment, right? It, is a it weird feels moment. like there was this sense in the summer that, oh, we're. We're through things to the other side, and we're getting, you know, food in restaurants and all sorts of things. And the last uh, few weeks, it, it feels like quite the reverse. It feels like, oh, no, this is exactly what the fall felt like in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a really interesting moment to be going back to school, whether you have kids or if uh, if, you're, if your teacher's out there listening to this or you just... You remember once upon a time. I always feel guilty that I had a summer. I can't believe we I get a know, summer. So I like know. It is a problem. I, I, you can't really talk about it too much. It's horrible. But if you're wondering what career to pursue, yes. man, education has perks. I genuinely believe that. I mean, I know oh, can, yeah. people would be like, hey, it's really hard being a teacher. It is. It's also like ridiculous. I, I get two <laughs> weeks at Christmas always. Two weeks at Christmas. We get ski week, we get a which ski I still week. haven't fully comprehended, but I love. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm being told that's a private school thing. Although someone it, from the public sector told me, no, it's it's, it's an Orange now. County. Well, okay, it's an Orange County thing. Even my friends uh, who were up in the Berkeley area said there they called it Tahoe Week. <laughs> Be more precise. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you just got to get that fresh powder, you know, <laughs> with the family at some point. Um, but yeah, we get all these wonderful breaks. We get a summer break this summer. Just to kind of catch up before we get after some things for this uh, season opener, what was your summer like? Now, you got married, but that was the Mm -hmm. spring, Mm -hmm. okay, the edge of spring. Um, You got married, you started this new life, you got a new home, at least new for you. And uh, what did summer look like for House Hashimov? Summer was the best. I think the first two to three weeks was a real crash after... (laughs) The year of teaching in the pandemic and then uh, getting married and all. I, I don't know. I, I slept a lot for it's the first too, few weeks. It's too much. I yeah. slept a lot, a lot. Uh, but then also, since my husband is also an educator, we both had the summer. Hey. And so that was just... Marry a teacher. Marry a teacher. Be a teacher. Another marry a teacher. Advice. Because then you get at least two months Please marry. off. Yes. Um. And so that was great. We would just, I mean, this is the life of a childless person, but like, <laughs> do you want to go sit at a coffee shop and read? Oh, Let's do gosh. that. I was listening back to our season ender in which we talked about reading things like that. Um, more to just sort of count the sadness of what did or did not get done oh, in yeah. my side. But I had that thought. I go, I bet Laura actually read the things she wanted to read. Some things, yeah. Uh, because she had that childless summer. Right, right. So incredible. So that was. (laughs) It's not necessarily you know better or worse. It's just incredible. It just says yeah to me. And your time will come again. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that was fantastic. And then we did some 
travel. We, we got to spend time with family, um, both in this country and in another country. Which is? Which is Azerbaijan. Um, so that was pretty amazing to do some international travel. We did not think that would happen. International COVID season travel. Yeah. What is that like? I, I that speculated. involves um, the country. So not every country has this, but Azerbaijan, you must be vaccinated to enter. Gotcha. And you must have a test to enter. Oh, wow. Um, so they want both. Okay. Um, every plane flight was completely and utterly full. Wow. Um, so... Yeah, so people are willing to do. That's a huge flight. How long is that flight? Uh, so it's LAX to Istanbul is thirteen hours, and then it's three hours to Baku. Okay, Baku is capital city. Capital city of Azerbaijan. The uh, it's the lowest capital city in the world. I think it's like at or below sea. I think it's below sea level or something. Oh, okay. Anyway, on the Caspian Sea. So, but it was pretty um amazing just to visit somewhere else and to be somewhere I probably never would have been if it weren't for marrying the man I married. Look so yeah. um, it's a pretty beautiful place that has seen some things. So they have um, experienced every invasion over the past few thousand years. Yeah, former Soviet Union. We're uh-huh. going to have Mr. Elmar on uh, to give us uh, some some really compelling, interesting stuff to kind of fill in, especially for the American audience. No mm-hmm. offense, everybody. Uh, but we're not great with geography. And uh, no. we haven't been involved super directly, even, not even just like directly, but like super directly. We, we mostly have no idea where or what things are. Right. Um, to just, yeah. Um, so now international travel in general, have you done a lot of international travel in your I life? I have, okay. yeah, I have. So was this the first time in that kind of area of the world? Yeah, the, the closest thing I'd ever experienced was going to Israel on like a, a church tour 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but it was, it had sort of a similar, a similar feel of this is a place that has all this history, you know, walking by a mosque that was from 1200 in the Northern part of the country. Um, there's churches from like 400, um, that are still preserved. And so, yeah. And, but it is, it is interesting to be a, in a place that, I don't really know much about and be in a place that is surrounded by a lot of unrest and mm-hmm. um yeah so it, it was it Palpable, was amazing like different kind of atmosphere like for uh, you no or? I was surprisingly I was expecting a bit more of sort of a a conservative Muslim feel but it it definitely was um sort of modern there's a formula one race that happens there let's go there's uh they had one of the euro soccer matches there a few months ago so i probably watched that you probably did and so there's very much um these you know amazing skyscrapers that are going up and have a four seasons in it next to um buildings that have been standing for 600 years so amazing yeah, it's quite a mix. Uh, hi, uh, foodie highlight of the trip. Oh, man. Sorry. It's like the land of kebab. Yeah. And Which is one of the greatest things. Yeah, ever. it was unbelievable. Every meal, they give you tomatoes and cucumbers and a big pile of herbs and like a bunch of grilled meat, and it was great. <laughs> so good. It was great. Yeah, that was so that was a real highlight. Did you have to try your hand at anything uh, like uh, cooking or preparing? No, or? didn't do any cooking or preparing, though. Hopefully, when we go next time, we'd like to like stay somewhere with a kitchen so we can do a little ourselves but um it was fabulous we just yeah we just kept eating and any other i mean wow i don't know how anything could compete with a trip to baku but any other sort of summer standout things anything besides the fact that your whole life has changed and yeah no just the (laughs) mellow of being together like i don't know I don't, I'm sure you can relate to this a little bit, but my social calendar just fills up in the summer in the best way. And even what some of our friends from church were like, wow, we love you guys in the summer because we're just like, <laughs> what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> so that's, that's cool. I will miss that, um, yeah. the ease of that. But there's a season for everything. So. There's a season for everything. And my friends, what an incredible segue for season three of the podcast. I'm getting an eye roll from producer Zach. So we're definitely all back in. Um, now one of the things we're gonna do a lot of things this season, uh, Laura, but one of the things that you and I talked about tackling 
is uh, is C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. Mm -hmm. And in this kind of, I don't know, I think a lot of Christians probably once upon a time used to read this pretty regularly. I know our students read this uh, Mm -hmm. heading into Reverend Butler's sophomore lit class. Um, Actually, I believe it's summer reading, so they're probably right in the thick of it right now. Mm -hmm. I uh, don't want to be, you know, giving them spoilers or something. No, I guess... (laughs) helping them on the test. I don't know what we'd be doing. Um, but one of the lovely things about this text is it is relatively short. It's extremely punchy. It's clear. And it kind of gives an opportunity to think about this idea of love or relationships between people um, in uh, a handful, let's say four, um, different perspectives or angles through this lens of sort of Greek words for love. And so it's it's always been, it's always one of those things that if I recommend it and someone actually reads it, it's like, wow, that was really illuminating. You know, it's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that it'll mm-hmm. say things you know intuitively, mm-hmm. and then it'll be like, wow, but I never thought about it that way, which is, you know, the reaction to most of Lewis's writing, right? Is that it's right. unbelievably clear. It's like the cookies are being brought down to the shelf where we can all reach them. And yet um, the illustrations, the practicality, I mean, it just like it matters. And and so it, it just came up when we were talking about it, uh, at least at the end of spring, maybe early summer of what we might want to tackle this season, amongst other things. And it just seemed like it would be nice because it would break along four four episodes and we'd be able to kind of unpack it a little bit and chat about it. We might bring someone else in um, for one or two of the uh, of the episodes as well. Um, but that's kind of where we're going to start off. And it's interesting, you know, not to push this too hard, but with the climate we're in, um, you know, people are, you know, increasingly impatient. Everything's... There is a tension. There is a frustration. Some people continually just want to not deal with certain things. But you just keep seeing like flare ups and like, you know, a little league game erupts, you know, Mm -hmm. people shouting and fighting each other at whatever. You can just feel like um, there is there's an edge that people are still on or returning to if they didn't if they ever left it, you can just feel that human relationships, it's the most ordinary neighbors or just, you know, people looking at each other weird at Target, you know, it, it seems like it actually is a decent time to be thinking about a little more deeply and a little more patiently about what, <laughs> what does it mean to be a person amongst persons in this world? Uh, and then ultimately, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian who is commanded by Christ to, to love um, this is supposed to be the center, literally the center of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And it's so often, even when um, rereading and and uh, reviewing this text recently, it feels like, oh man, it's an afterthought or it's an option. Or if it works out, then sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of push it a little bit further with some of these, these episodes, seems like it actually might be of some use to just sort of slow down a little bit and think about some of these kinds of human relationships and these kind of human forms of, of love. So what we want to do with this first episode is we want to tackle the first of the four loves, which uh, is a love that the Greek word, uh, he pronounces everything a little more Byzantine, but... Um, storgi. Storgi, or affection. I mean, I just love that so much, how he pronounces that. Hearing Lewis's voice, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, Zach and I, is maybe not quite what you expect, um, but it yeah. is like a baritone that you're happy is a baritone mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And then we were also thinking it probably indicates a little bit how maybe even aggressive or intimidating he actually was oh, to yeah. talk to or with. Yeah. Especially pre-Christian, but <laughs> you know, like there is, the, it is a sharp, bold and decisive, even just cadence or pronunciation yes. of how he speaks. <laughs> You could just feel like if you were like in a pub and he was like making a case, you'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> you would hear you would hear it from the other side of the room." You'd for be sure. leaning back, yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> I love that. Um, so he starts with this first one. That's what we're going to talk about for 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 this episode. And this is Storgi, as he says, uh, affection. He'll go on to say it's the affection you can have for an animal, a dog. It's also the affection the dog can have for a cat, and it's the kind of affection that comes through familiarity. It's one that comes 
times he says over time it's never clear when it starts because by the time mm -hmm. you notice it it means it's already been developing right. over some time and so it can be the kind of familiarity you would have with a neighbor over time and it turns into a fondness right at first it might be you move to a neighborhood and so and so is always like i don't know dragging their cans out like it, in the middle of the night and waking up your child because they're loud or something like that and then as the years go by it's like oh good old so-and-so dragging the cans out at midnight waking up the neighborhood and you kind of say it with a chuckle instead of like a grimace or something classic like that, right <laughs> that's the most classic uh suburban illustration i could think of but it is this familiarity that becomes a fondness and, and it becomes a fondness in a different way than, than Eros. Um, it becomes a fondness in a different way from philia or friendship. Um, it is something that over time you just start to almost not necessarily appreciate every little nuance, but appreciate that those are their nuances, that those are their idiosyncrasies, that those are things that you've come to know about them. And it, it has a warmth to it. Mm -hmm. um, this one, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, but it, it also doesn't feel like it's the most interesting or impressive, right? It doesn't draw a lot of attention to itself. It's like, okay, yeah, you kind of get used to people and then it's sort of a fondness you have for them that you get used to and there's an affection there, but it's not like driving your life. It's not going to change your calendar, right? Like it, it kind of feels like it's off to the side and mm -hmm. he uses a variety of kind of illustrations. He's always so good with a simile, but he says at one point, it's like the bed of rice for your curry. <laughs> um, and, and so it's like, it, it, it's like, it's a context, right? It's like a round but it's not the point, right? It's like around the point, but mm -hmm. it's not this central focus in human relationships. Now, what strikes me about this, especially with regard to some of the things you and I have talked about, is I think Storge or this kind of affection that comes just through time and familiarity, I think this is probably the first thing to go in a optimizing society. Oh, yeah. Okay? So yeah. we've talked about, you know, this kind of relentless push to optimize your life. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be for something else. It has to be calculated that this is for this and I'm doing that for that. Everything's to maximize, maximize, optimize, mm -hmm. optimize. A, a life of pure sort of like calculation and efficiency for health, for wholeness, for wellness, for whatever good thing, you know, we want to be up to. This is always going to get cast aside mm -hmm. because this takes unstructured time this can't right. be optimized right you can't be like all right i'm gonna put in so many hours you know uh, taking the trash cans out at the same time as my neighbor to develop an intentional you know whatever it's like that's not how this works and so it strikes me that this might be one of the things in our moment very different from lewis's moment in which people would largely have lived in the same places for long periods of time would largely have not a lot of options as far as the mobility that we have and have pursued um, and where people are so relentlessly self-optimizing mm -hmm. um, that I would bet a lot of people, if they looked around at their life for looking for Storgi, would find it in the past. Yes. Right? Like, oh, yeah, that's the Definitely. familiar love of growing up with a home where you just have to deal with your family members. Mm -hmm. And there's a fondness and a frustration, but it's a fondness ultimately um, once upon a time. But as you grow up and you make moves, I mean, what are we doing? We're moving every two to three years, changing houses, right. changing jobs as yeah. often, if not more often. Yeah, changing churches. Changing churches. So where on earth would this even be able to develop, right? right. It seems like it would be the first thing to go. Does that... Does that track? Does that, 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 that makes perfect sense to me because it does require a certain amount of acceptance of where you are um, and being okay and contentedness with how things are. So even, um, yeah, thinking of the church question, right? Like it in the recent past, you didn't have a ton of options. You sort of either went <laughs> right. to the, the Baptist church or the Presbyterian church or the Catholic church and, you know, or you went farther away for somewhere else. But so now I have any number of options uh, within a few blocks. And so if something, if I come up against something or something bothers me, I never really have to work through it to the point of feeling affection for it. It just sort of is, is an annoyance and a hindrance that I 
can improve upon by just moving on. Um, I can just get past it and move on. So I, I definitely resonate with what you're saying there. And, and I think you also have to be willing to sort of have habits that will build upon itself. So even, you know, are you a regular at one coffee shop or one restaurant Mm -hmm. or have you built relationships with people even in that casual sense? Or is it, as most people are guilty of, myself included, like we don't even know our neighbors' names? Mm -hmm. Or do we like, uh, you know, to what degree are we willing to engage in small talk, et cetera? Um, And so I think that's something that's also, you know, been challenged in the pandemic is those sort of small um, moments were lost in a lot of ways. And there's actually been interesting discussion and articles about whether or not it's better or worse that we have lost some of those small ties. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think it's, I think it's got to be worse for us because it just sort of it only gives us, as you mentioned, the past, like we'd just be overcome with a sense of nostalgia um, rather than having an affection for our life here and now. Mm-hmm. It seems like, yeah, like the, the, the things that would be the annoyances that only time, patience could turn to familiarity, to fondness, to affection, mm-hmm. let's say in the case of the neighbor, are, are literally why we would move. We would be like, oh, that stupid neighbor is always taking his cans out and waking up my baby. We need to get out of here, right? Mm-hmm. Or like Lisa and I lived in an apartment um, on campus at UCI once upon a time. And I'm, I've heard almost anybody say this who's ever lived with neighbors above them. Right. But it was like they had a game in which they rolled a bowling ball back and forth across the floor at any hour of the night. Yep. And we couldn't figure out how it was a possibility that they could make the sounds they were making when they were making them. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we didn't have the, uh, <laughs> we were on a stipend, you know, we, we, we were not allowed to leave. Um, yeah. but it meant like we had a couple weird moments where one or both of us would have to go upstairs and knock on a door and the most awkward conversation hey you know like we're Mm -hmm. those people downstairs with a baby um and you know like and and we had those talks like oh man if only we could get out of here you know like if only but but that like that feeling of he when he says uh he also says it's like the oil for the wheels right right because otherwise what you end up with is nothing but sharp super intentional right this needs to be this like if you take storge out of uh eros for example Mm -hmm. um it's like a dating app right Right. it's like only like is this person attractive (laughs) you know would i marry this person do i want to be with this person forever do you know it's like all of the 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 oil that would actually kind of make the context possible i remember even when you were talking about love relationships things like that you were like people your friends would actually know and have thought of you and that other person like what right people heard that and they're like what kind of you have friends that just sort of are around different kinds of people over time Uh, and value the same things as you and (laughs) and would cat over time patiently think and maybe suggest that (laughs) like it we live in a culture in which i feel like storge is being like extricated right Mm -hmm. and and it's like Eros is about Eros and there's nothing out, right? It's about like this like sharp thing and it's about that, you know, career is about this, you know, uh, the perfect home is about this and it's about nothing but the best version of this. And so then we lose this, this, the, the, the oil, we lose like the ability for things to actually work, uh, for things to actually unfold. Um, you know, you mentioned church and I want to like, I want to go there too. But like, I think as a parent, okay, as a parent, one of the things, you know, that you're supposed to do is you're supposed to develop time and space and environments for your kids to have what's called unstructured play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and every time I think of that, I think of how no adult I know <laughs> thinks that's necessary for themselves. Right. Or at yep. least, or, or is living that. I think right. that's, yeah. Okay. Good luck. But the idea is like for a, a person who's being formed, a young person, they need to be able to be bored, get frustrated, be around people who aren't easiest to be around, but just are the people they're around at the playground, even if they push them down. Like if someone pushed one of my kids down and we were like, we're leaving, 
Right. <laughs> like that would be a wild way to teach my kids how to live. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet in my life or in adults lives, if that kind of thing would happen, we're like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going back to that restaurant. I'm never doing this thing again. That's outrageous. I can't believe the way I was treated on the phone, you know, or whatever. Um, and I just thinking about all of the advice or all the things we're supposed to do to help our children develop. And then as we get older, those things like fundamentally don't matter or disappear from adult life. Hmm. And there's, there's consequences like that, that puts people on edge. That means everybody is either like networking and pushing you toward the things you love or they're in your way, right? Like you lose this kind of ring of reality in which people could just be people around you because now they all have to be for or they're against something right they they have to kind of be instruments in some like story you're trying to write well and i think that's the that's the big that word instruments is part of it right like it are these people helpful or harmful to me on my progress towards i don't know whatever it is um versus like the the image he continually uses in this chapter is is that of like of a family right of a mother and child or or siblings right that built-in affection that even if they drive you crazy you are just sort of like well but you know i still gonna spend holidays with them i'm still gonna be with them and i'll miss them when they're not around right that that sort of interesting hard to describe um affection of like and you don't really expect of your family to always help you progress at least i hope not like help you progress in your career or whatever like they, there's a there's a there's a different reason you're around them and with them and even if they frustrate you or disagree with you um you're still going to in in you know the healthier spheres you're still going to make time to try to be with them and and so the, coming back to that repeated image is helpful for like, yeah, why don't we view other people that way? Like, why don't we view friends or colleagues in that sort of similar of, of, I don't expect you to help me advance on my, you know, optimal life goals. Like it's okay if, um, you, your existence in my life, um, is sort of a given, Um, rather than like, you must serve a purpose in my life, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is, I don't know, that's sort of how I read this chapter on affection of, um, as you mentioned earlier, right, the idea of like, old so-and-so or, you know, good old, um, in their old way or the same old thing, or, you Mm -hmm. know, David's up to his old tricks, (laughs) like that sort of energy, Mm -hmm. um, which I think we can, there's certain people in our life we can do that with, like, they'll say something frustrating or aggravating or maybe ignorant or something and you just sort of laugh and you're like haha that person but then somebody else in our life does it and we say that is unacceptable we're moving on yeah um and trying to not that i don't think we can demand affection or like demand that we feel affection for everyone we encounter but i do think there needs to be a a settledness of if the situation is imperfect it's okay. Or if this person is imperfect, that's okay. Um, it may ultimately, I mean, in some ways, it, you know, it's good. I mean, again, if it, right. if it would be good for your children, how yeah. could it not be good for you? And yet, you know, you mentioned this a little bit about just the time in which we find ourselves, you know, families are having trouble talking to each other, right? Like with COVID, with vaccines, with masks, with politics, like this has also been a year in which those kinds of affections or familiar relationships have been the most, I don't want to say dispensable, but have Mm. been very much in like the the line of fire is like, you know what, I'm not going to talk to this person again, or I'm not Mm -hmm. going to deal with this, you know, and I'm so over this. And I understand that in like, yeah, okay, neighbor so-and-so just keeps cussing you out when you walk by. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But it's like mom, dad, brother, sister, right? right? Like, I can't deal with my cousin. I can't deal with my aunt. I can't. I just, you know, what she posts on Facebook, you know, it's just like, it's it's too much, right? Like, people mm-hmm. can't bear with the the sharp differences or the, the frustrations. Um, and on some level even if those things are very serious, very important, and there's really good reasons to disagree, um, it is, isn't it strange, or shouldn't we think a little bit longer about the fact that we can 
disown so easily or we can cut people off that our lives are so sort of like modifiable mm-hmm. that we can structure around even the most fundamental family relationships if we so choose that there is precious little in our lives maybe it's the workplace I want to say it's the church, but let's just say it's the workplace that maybe is the only place where we don't choose people and we kind of have to just deal with it. Yeah. As long as at least for a while before we change jobs and try to mm-hmm. you know optimize that. But I mean, like, really, we, we have we have pruned down the the encumbrances that would develop these kinds of affections over time. And and that pruning has has gotten all the way into the center of family relationships, certainly this last year. Um, and, you know, culturally, I really think this is also part of the, um, the reason for not with families per se, but with, you know, the violence that you see in just the cultural, the tension and the violence mm-hmm. is it's like, it's like watching an engine try to work without oil. It's like everything is like seizing and gripping and like, firing and and but there's nothing smoothing there's no there's no like there's no kind of lubricating oil around it to kind of make things work that otherwise might scrape or whatever it's just all scraping it feels like yeah do you think that comes from and like i don't want to overuse this excuse but do you think some of it comes from the fact that so much of our communication is not in person anymore yes absolutely i mean we, again, because the kids are the other example. Right. When you get pushed down, you have to see the kid like cry or, or the face. And, yeah. And then usually there's a there's a mom or somebody around who's like, whoa, like, you know, there's a feeling mm-hmm. of consequence. There's 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 different, you know, facial expressions. There's body language. There's a world there. Yeah. And we have already removed ourselves from that kind of lived space. Right. Face to face kind of time. We don't take that time of unstructured, unoptimized, like, what are you going to do? Oh, we're just going to be around this area for a little bit. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, yeah. we need to go see this and do this and do this and do this. You probably experienced this even, you know, going to like Baku, because if you were a tourist in the classic sense there, you probably would say there's 10 things we have to do. Right. But knowing your husband has family there, right. it's going to change the pace or the way that time is structured mm-hmm. in visiting even a new and exciting place. Yeah. It's going to have a totally different yeah. set of rhythms, right? We're going to we're going to eat more meals in the home. Um, we're going to just go to the park and hang out with the two year old. And so, yeah, it, de- it definitely, but it does require me to give up like, well, what about the, you know, amazing museum or architecture? I was reading this about place? this thing. Yeah. And then you just sort of have to say like, no, that's not what we're doing. That's not why we're here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that definitely relates to like, okay, what's our, what's our priority? What are we moving towards? What do we want, um, to happen? And is it, is it, again, that we reach some goal or that we live a certain kind of life, like life in a certain way. So yeah. why, why are we here? What are we doing? Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, early on, you mentioned church. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the way I'm thinking about it, okay, we have a hypermobile society, but particularly our peer group, right, has been hypermobile, right? And and it's not necessarily everyone's fault, like that's a bad thing. It's like we also have a completely insane, unreliable economy and no one can afford right. to buy a house because of a number of different factors. So the mobility has been thrust upon a lot of people, right? COVID, remote working, right? There's, there's all mm-hmm. sorts of reasons. Um, but militating against that, at least at all times and all places, potentially is the church right? Okay, maybe you really do have to constantly try to find an affordable place to rent, you know, and it, and your rent keeps getting jacked up and you really do have to just literally move along from place to place just to make life work, okay? Um, fair enough. Um, but there is meant to be for Christians this community of stability through time mm-hmm. right of of staying so yes and we're in orange county particularly but i know people plenty of people are not who listen to this and you know even if i were to move here i can drive across county line or i can drive across towns townships and i can continue to go to the same church because we all have cars and we are mobile people and we're used to doing that it's not a big deal so potentially the church could be the place or the provision for this kind of 
affection, fondness through time with Mm -hmm. people you wouldn't have selected, right? Ideally, you're not going to the church. I mean, again, we'll get into it, but this could be even if you... Like we've had great neighbors, we've but we've had to move, right? Right. And so it's like, oh my gosh, Art and Vince and and Britta. We like when we drive by where we used to live, we're like, oh, we I should know. stop in and say hi. It's so sad. Right. We're, we're so intensely involved when our children were being born, and they were so sweet, and they brought over things, and mm-hmm. and then two and a half, three years later, we're gone. You know, I like know. just disappeared from their lives. We feel guilty. We feel like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. So like, we wish we could stay. Right. We, we wish we could do that. We just right. don't always have that option. The church is in some ways meant to be that, though, mm-hmm. no matter what, mm-hmm. that that is the place you stay, that that is the place where you have the people who roll. Bowling but how balls many back and forth. how many how many people do you know who've been at a church for 20 years? Yeah, almost nobody. Yeah, I know. Straight so up, few. almost nobody, even pastors. Right. Right. I mean, honestly, let's just be like really frank. Yeah. All, literally, from professional to lay, like n- like unless it's like straight a, up almost nobody, a, a, like major denomination. Major denomination is some really institutionalized structure that yeah. kind of really leans to say this is going to be nobody. a real headache if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> maybe isn't a bad headache. But uh, yeah, that is a crazy thing. I, I was talking to someone recently who had been at their church, yeah, twenty or thirty years, and I thought. I don't know people who do that. Like, yeah. I just don't know. It's like a glow around that. And I like to think that I I would be that person, but I don't know. Well, even like with, like you said with the pastors, the same thing. If you find out a pastor has been somewhere for 20 or 30 years, everyone's like, wow, there's, you know, there's going to have to be a, 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 like a ceremony to like just commend yeah. this, like what? Like to commend what ought to be normal but is so not normal. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's like, yeah, if church becomes yet another place where it's about efficiency, right? I mean, think about the church service. Like you got to get in, get out, move on to the next service. It becomes like, um, come and watch this worship experience. We're going to put on right. this performance for you. Um, you can take that cynically or you can just take it however you want to take it. I'm taking it mm-hmm. cynically for now. But, um, but like this... At nine o'clock, this happens. At ten fifteen, you know, we need to switch the cars out. Whatever, that's just the reality of it. Where is the unstructured fellowship? Where, like, yeah. can koinonia happen right. without time to mm-hmm. just be around people you otherwise wouldn't because right. they're not advancing you yeah. in any obvious way? But yeah. but you're simply called to be a part of the body, and so out of obedience to Christ, you're meant to be with and bear with, right? Like all of the passages, all the letters of Paul, right? Those things could only be thinkable. As someone once said, you you cannot demonstrate any of the fruit of the Spirit alone, Mm. right? They always Mm. imply uh, nests of relationships in which you would have to be patient, Mm -hmm. right? Be kind, right? And like, why did you need to do that? Because so-and-so might be really frustrating or you know whatever there might just be and you don't pick them and you don't get to to unpick them right 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 that's yeah because them off the island or whatever i feel like this is a good moment to like i'm reminding myself that yeah affection is different from friendship we'll get into friendship next but you know friendship is is kind of more of the the chosen intentional i'm going to like choose you and develop a relationship with you um, but this affection is just like, yeah, who's around me? And I think for a lot of us, the answer is, I don't know. Like, I don't know who's around me. I don't, I, but like you said though, except for work, um, most people don't spend a significant amount of time around people they didn't choose, um, for themselves. And so I think, yeah, I think the church is a real countercultural message to that of, you know, I we are the body together uh, with people we didn't choose, or we have brothers and sisters in Christ who we don't even know. Yet, and I'm sure you've had this experience, and I've had it as well. Like when you meet um, someone, even in I had this experience in Baku, in a different country, and you meet a a, a Christian, and you're like, oh, you and I, yeah, we have there is there is an affection there because there is a familiarity even though you don't know them. And so I think we have to kind of think about how that how does that work 
in in our churches here um, where that familiarity doesn't breed contempt, but instead um, continues to breed affection in the healthiest way. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, books I recommended, I think in some context, and have been recommending is a book called Slow Church. Mm. And it's like, it's it's beautiful. Everyone should read it. Who's a Christian? <laughs> you know, I'm sure I've said that before. Um, but, you know, it's just like, it just names the obvious. It names how the church, um, you know, got caught up in, in tactics and techniques for church growth. And it became sort of the McDonaldization, they say, of the mm-hmm. church. You know, franchise this, we know how to do this, you can put it anywhere and you're going to do these things to attract people with these kinds of donuts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and they need to feel this way and they feel positive when they're leaving or whatever. And, and then these guys just saying, you know what, we all are coming out of that world, but slow church that's committed to a place, that's committed to just mm-hmm. spending this kind of unstructured time and genuine fellowship with people you did not choose. Um, you know, I grew up in a time in which everybody was trying to, I'm sure they're still trying to do this, but was trying to plant churches that were just their peer groups. It was like me and my buddies yeah. right, are going to get together and do this. And we had an episode, I think it was last season, um, with pastor Gomez talking about how ageism very right. quickly becomes yeah. the theme of that story. Um, mm-hmm. we're all basically in our same moment of life and we're excited. We're going to start a church of our peers. Right. And it's like, that's a way of, of ne- not having this, right? That's a way of not having to bear with the generational idiosyncrasies or, or gaps or, or miscommunications or awkwardnesses or any of the things that would slow you down from optimizing your spiritual life or your church experience and then end up providing, as he said, sort of, you know, the bed of rice for your curry. Mm-hmm. End up providing the warm jacket, you know, I think he says in another spot, one of the very things you need but is hard to point at. Mm-hmm. Um, it came up again when you were talking about um, women in your church who have supported you and mentored you and been involved in your life who are not your peers. Mm-hmm. And that would have been difficult to dial up, you know, mm-hmm. if you were trying to optimize your church experience to find people who were like you, who got it in the same way and had the same views you did about everything. Um, so this idea of church needing to be a place or su- supposed to be a place of unstructured, not just programmatic, right? Because like a, like a connect card, you know, like the way we try to do this, mm-hmm. and I, there's a lot of sincerity. I know there's things that are effective about things that's, that, that do good, but this is not what that is, right? Um, you're going to get placed in a small group, you know, that's doing whatever. Like there is so much design right. and, and program, uh, pro- programmatic kind of, you know, approaches to relationships in the church. Come to the church and get connected. And yet, what if that connected is be around people who are a little awkward or or you don't know why you're around them. You don't seem to, it's not an obvious friendship that's emerging, right? right. Uh, you're not finding your spouse, you know, yeah. whatever reasons people go to church, you know? Yeah. Like how you can't, you can't program it. You can't design it, right? No, it just, yeah, it just has to sort of happen, but it can only happen through the intentionally designing spaces where, uh, where there is time, time. where there is space and where there is, repeated habit and experience um because yeah i i sense that often you know there's days where there's sundays where i'm going to church and i'm like oh man i don't know if i've got the strength for the small talk and the social part of it (laughs) you know i i love these people but i don't know and then you but that that's a helpful reminder of like yeah but are you seeing them as just existing to like excite you or interest you or you know, help you on some path, or is there a different reason for gathering in the first place? Mm. Um, and so that's something I have to remind myself of on those days where, you know, my, my social capacity feels low of like, yeah, there, there, you have to rely on that affection for place or people as kind of a, a guide, because if there isn't, if I didn't have affection then yeah, I don't know why we'd probably end up not going most of the mm-hmm. time. Um, but there's, by the grace of God, there is over the eight 
or nine years I've been at the church, there is that affection. And after, you know, being gone for three weeks, it was like, there's an ache there of like, Oh, I got to go back. Um, and I see that as a real grace and blessing because, um, I haven't done anything to make that happen. Um, it's, it's a gift to, in a lot of ways, I think affection is a gift, which, um, he kind of brings up in his discussion as well of, we assume that affection is this natural thing, but really it involves an aspect of choice and intentionality of, um, that, yeah, we can't always control when and where it comes, but Mm. through, through prayer, um, affection, you know, won't go bad on us, as he says. Mm. Um, won't, yeah, that love having become a God becomes a demon if, if we don't treat it correctly. So it's been, I told you this, I think a little bit earlier in the year or in the summer, we started meeting at our house for church. Right. And that sounds like quaint and lovely and everything. And then it's your house. And I remember like <laughs> week one, um, I just remember, like, you know, when we were in the building, you know, it was like, okay, you know, these things need to be locked up. These things need to be put away. There's whatever. Um, having church at this house is like, you know, on one level, it's incredible. On another level, it's overwhelming. Um, but what I realized really quickly with the Lord was there's going to be, a, I'm going to, in my heart, want to micromanage everything that's going mm-hmm. on maybe out of like protection for you know whatever i don't know lisa like and stress or or me in stress mm-hmm. and like clean up later whatever um <laughs> and i knew i i knew that i found myself in a place in the first week or two in which i was like really annoyed like at certain moments and it was like well, was loved, it was it taking up like your whole day it it wasn't even i mean in part but it was more like it was more like you know, okay, there are, you know, there's 15 kids running through the house. Um, I'm like, oh, you're going to get mud on this and, oh, you know, the plants, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's things and there's whatever. There can be rules and stuff. But I could feel like, oh, this is going to be awful if you don't, if you don't turn this over to the Lord and say part of what it means to have the church here is letting go of managing the mm. optimum situation for mm-hmm. every space and every environment and every, and I just knew it was like, it was almost like the Lord saying like, stop paying attention. Like you're not right. like loving them. You're just watching them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you could be in this mode where you're just like, you're just police. And if you're in that mode, like no one can do anything right. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're in the mode of just like watching for your neighbors or somebody to do something strange, they're going to do something strange yep. or your family members to say something, you know, whatever they're going to do it quick. Mm-hmm. If that's what you're expecting and looking for, you're going to continue to find it and you're going to be miserable. And I knew like, this is an important thing. And the Lord was like, look, if this is going to be here, you need to be able to like enjoy it and rest in it and and enjoy the company of the people that I've called to this place and it was just got really real and I just knew we could do this in one way and make it Mm -hmm. work and then and 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 not in in any way participate in fondness and warmth and affection Mm -hmm. I just knew it I knew how to get the thing done I knew how to or like okay how you're doing that you're doing that and I just got to this point where like it became so obvious because it was in our home that I needed to like let a lot of things go and I needed mm. to just be like, we're happy to have people hang out however afterward to eat, to bring food. You know, in the old world, it would be like, okay, well, you know, we got to do the next thing at, at yeah. this time. And so I think I can just feel, even if this isn't a long season at the house, um, that's a big part of it is like, as, as the pastor, as one of the pastors, like, you need to think of church not just as the thing you you do mm-hmm. right or the time starting things at the right time and making it sure it's like you need to actually be able to just be in this like unstructured sort of moments in and around right. the small talk moments and not dread them and not trying to usher everyone out the, <laughs> out the yeah. back gate well be and knowing that five to ten years from now you're gonna say oh that was so sweet it's Remember gonna be that? we know it's gonna be Remember like this that? thing we look back on and like Remember how amazing what a was? golden season and yet 
the temptation for us or for me it would be like don't enjoy it now and then like pretend you know later on that right. it was this magical thing yeah and i'm like i could i could feel it. it was day one and i knew the lord was like hey let's get this right now and let's just get over some of these things and let's like let's let this be fondness and affection and not annoyance frustration yeah. like that i mean that's real you know yeah. <laughs> well and a, a friend i was having a conversation with a friend recently who was reporting back what um, I, I think I guess another friend had told them uh, people who had raised kids and they were older and they said yeah we always tell ourselves and each other right we use the, the old phrase of like this too shall pass and they said well we try to have that reminder in the hard stuff but also in the good stuff too mm-hmm. of like those moments when things are just so sweet and so lovely and so beautiful and looking at each other and be like this too shall pass like mm-hmm. this and then I think that's a way of getting that nostalgia in the moment or sort of garnering some of that affection in the moment of like, yeah, like this, remember, like even this sweet moment. So I've been thinking about that a lot, especially as I'm in this like newlywed stage and things, time just seems to be moving really quickly and realizing like, oh yeah, like this season of renting an apartment um, that isn't perfect or this season of being in a house church that isn't perfect, like this will be gone soon. And then we will look back and think like, oh, remember how sweet that was and how easy that was and how nice, you know. Yeah. Um, so trying to remind myself, and that's sort of been a way, I think for the past month or two, I've that affection has been building in those small things too, of just like take that moment and realize um, how fleeting it is. Mm. In each of his essays um, or these addresses he did, he does on the four loves, he gets to a point t- toward the end usually where he talks about how this kind of love can go bad. Um, it can be, you know, the opposite of what it ought to be. Mm-hmm. can become way overbearing or whatever the case yeah. is. This one is when he's explored in many places a great divorce. And, you know, I mean, he's so good at sort of drawing yes. out you know how things go off in human relationships and what's so incredible about this turn especially when you think of affection as family whether it's church family biological family you know it's the familiarity it's that fondness whatever with storge when storge goes bad it becomes what possession mm-hmm. it becomes jealousy. jealousy it becomes you begin to take and keep people in the way that you are familiar with them. Mm. And then if when they change, you resent it or you mock it or mm-hmm. you try to keep it from happening. Um, and and it's so obvious maybe in family relations or as people grow or grow up or, or grow out of the home or whatever, um, you know, you get these codependent relationships in which, you know, a parent really can't let go of something or, mm-hmm. or whatever. There's so many ways that this can manifest when familiarity becomes something that you assume and then you try to like freeze or lock in. Um, and, and he, he makes this incredibly interesting and something I found very true comment where in cases like this, when, for example, one of those people in like a friend group or in a family, like maybe become a Christian, right? It becomes like something that throws everybody off Mm -hmm. because everybody like resents like there's this reaction not everybody but it's it's very often the case i found this like growing up with my buddies back east not christian whatever funny smart but you know just like tough annoying people who always make fun of each other always whatever and i remember coming back from california for a summer or something like this early on when i had gotten really serious about the lord and they like couldn't they just couldn't they're just like no you know, there's so annoying to them that I like stopped swearing. It was so annoying to them. Yeah. I didn't say, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm a Christian swearing. now. I don't swear anymore in the way that I used to. Hey, guys, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to go to that same place. You know, it was like super low key. I thought I was being like all quiet and whatever. And every time we were almost anywhere, it was like, well, I'm sure Pastor Woods doesn't want to do, you know, it was like, it was, it was like this burr in their skin that I had gotten really serious about my faith 
which they had never had. And I was always like the church going kid, but obviously I'd, I'd been a little bit more like them than I was like whatever the Lord wanted me to be, <laughs> right. you know, right. for those teenage years, especially. And it was like, it was the story. And I couldn't believe how much it like bothered or like, it just was a thing that kept right. coming up. Yeah. And when I was rereading this, uh, this essay, I was like, oh, that's exactly, that's yeah. exactly partly what happened. Right. right. And, and people I had known at church, um, suddenly I was super serious. And so they were like, oh, so what? I'm not, you know, and I'm like, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, so now, yeah, I be- now I'm barely saved because now you're like reading the Bible every day over there. And I just remember like, whoa, what's going on? And it was, we know you this way. Right. And we're used to you this yep. way. And we have a place for you this way. And mm-hmm. we're even fond of you this way. But if you change, we don't know what to do with that. And right. that's going to disrupt a familiarity uh, yeah. that we our, need. To our s- system is changing. Yeah. There. The friendship system. I wasn't jumping in with the comment or the joke or the whatever when I was supposed to in the past. It threw the whole system off. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced that? I mean, I, I that's mean, that's a good question. I don't know if I've experienced it to that degree. Um, but th- this passage from the chapter resonated, uh, I I can sort of comment on it. Lewis says, it is the reaction to a uh, desertion, even to robbery. Someone or something has stolen our boy or girl. He who was one of us has become one of them. (laughs) What right had anybody to do it? He is ours. But once change has thus begun, who knows where it will end? And we, all so happy and comfortable before, and doing no harm to no one. And, um, but I, yeah, I totally understand even in a smaller sense, I think you, I see it with students all the time, right? When did they start hanging out with so-and-so? You can't hang, they're hanging out with so-and-so, you know, like, and then it becomes this sort of like possession, um, of, and I, the way I see, as I was reading this section, what it reminded me of was C.S. Lewis's Till We Have Faces, Mm. which is all about one sister who essentially has an awakening that the other sister doesn't and holds it against her for like for the rest of their lives. And this idea that like, what, well, she's just a young girl. What does she know? Like she doesn't, she was one of ours and then they took her from us. And, um, so I haven't had that, that personal experience to the degree of like that conversion, but I have definitely seen that at play or just the difference when people sort of can't handle the difference of, what you were to who you are. Yeah. Um, you talked about it in a, uh, and this is a much more sort of a positive, but just part of the reality of going from being a single person. Oh yeah. To being a not a single person. Oh yeah. And then we can only speculate, but I can tell you from some experience from going from being a married person to being with childed persons. Oh yeah. It's like you left the group, man, you abandoned uh-huh. us. It's like, now you're not friends with anybody anymore because your kids, your kids, your kids, your kids, like, you know, what's wrong with you? We had this awesome thing going. Mm -hmm. We all like just had this great time together. And now you and Elmar, you know, now you, oh, now you're over here. Well, I I have seen that. Fortunately, it has not firsthand experience, but I, I have seen some friendships fall apart when one person got married because the other person just couldn't handle that reality. It was like, no, just come over for dinner with the three of us. And that idea was like, I can just be the third person at the table. Um, And so trying to figure out how to reframe that now as a married person, um, it's something Elmar and I try to be intentional about of making sure we don't always just have an even number Mm. of people. Like it's okay if you're, you know, um, because we both for so long were the single people in the group that now trying to figure out how to extend that to other single people but no I can only imagine yeah I can only imagine it increases with children and I and I think I see the reverse happening too you know where there's I've sometimes groups of moms are very difficult to break into if you don't oh, have a totally, kid totally. you're like I don't have a birth story to tell you so yeah. I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> no it's so, very true it's, it's not all the on us and any them. side the it us very and much them. is like well, you don't get it yet, do you, sweetheart? Um, you'll understand someday. You know, like people who have like one more child than we did at any point. You'd get that vibe. You'd be like, yeah, no, that's that's sweet. You, you'll get it someday. You know, you're just not there yet. And be like, oh, how d- demeaning. Um, 
<laughs> um, it all, this whole essay, this idea, um, it just reminds me of, of the Shire. It just reminds me of Hobbits. Cozy. Right? Leisurely people, unstructured time, fondness through a lot of weird, like, idiosyncrasies of all their things. If they look too long at each one of them, they find a lot of reasons they shouldn't like each other. But it, I was just finished reading The Hobbit with my son, and, you know, every moment in this great adventure Bilbo's on, he'll just be like, ah, the Shire and my little hobbit hole, like the familiar, yeah. the beauty of the familiar, yeah. of the warm kind of slow world of, mm. you know, hobbits aren't super ambitious, you know, they're just whatever. And, and there's something in that that I know we've lost and yes. that I know is like, that needs to be, and, 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 and the other side's in it too, right? His Tookish side makes everyone look at him like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing these things? Yeah. You shouldn't be leaving. You shouldn't be talking to elves. You shouldn't be associating with wizards, right? right. Like they really do. And he comes back and they're selling his stuff. They'd rather he'd be dead because they want his, his his nice little hobbit hole for themselves and his furniture. And he's like, oh, that's weird. That's weird. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it very much is not necessarily they're all friends. It very much is just, but they share this world together. Mm -hmm. And there is an affection. It is very much Storge in the good and the bad versions where it can twist. Yeah, uh, it's all there. I mean, I'm just coming out of reading that, so it's it was just fresh in no, my mind. No, and I and I, I think that's exactly as you said. It's something we have lost, and I I don't we don't have time to dive into it here. But I think we could do a whole episode on sort of the uh, nomad land mm. lifestyle, mm. or at least the sort of especially for young people. I think there's often a narrative that like, no, living a full life means having no place you call home, right? It means that you spend six months in France and six months in, you know, Thailand and six months and you Careful, just sort my of... my heart's like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it is. But to your point, like yeah. the number of people who are moving right now, moving states, um, we just, we, we've, we've become a little bit untethered. Yeah. What if people and you know in a church or people whatever what if people prayed and intentionally sought to live near each other in a way that a lot of us just don't Ooh. think is possible um or we think that's super weird I know, is this a, stuff, yeah i was gonna say right? we're gonna a get a giant house there's gonna be a giant pacifica house giant zoe house, <laughs> just lives the, like but without being weird what if people just said hey you know one of our priorities of prayer is to live nearer to people that we go to church with or one of our just priorities are our intentions of like you know what we're willing to kind of try to figure out or be a lot more you know thoughtful about is to dwell with or among you yeah. know people because we just assume oh you just got to go where you can go and you just got to it's like well if you're a christian you could actively seek and pray like for different kinds of ways of living mm -hmm. and rather than just accept what the economy or whatever is throwing at you or what seems likely um whatever zillow happens to say like you know i know yeah <laughs> no we think about that often also i mean i think part of me also i can hear the danger of that right is it would be this sort of uniformity and I want to talk about this in the friendship chapter more of like how the diversity of friendships right of um to what degree would that sort of game plan of where you live restrict that diversity or mm. but I I do hear that and I mean I think about that often of we had dear friends who lived within walking distance to us and they've moved and we're just like so sad and we've when we are hoping and praying that we could buy a home near them. That would mm -hmm. be fantastic. They didn't even move far. It's just now we can't walk to them. Yeah. And so now it's like, oh, it's 10 minutes. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a 10 minute drive. Um, oh, that's, so, but that's fair. You would want to make sure it's not some new kind of optimization. I guess maybe the right. prayer would be as often as not, it would be to stay where you are. Right. Well, but yeah, but I would, I mean... I, if everybody lives within five miles of each other, that's amazing. Well, because you still have neighbors. You still have all the things, right. right? But you maybe, you know, it's like, you know, you have unstructured play for your kids at a park, right? Yeah. You have to have a place that's common where they can interact with different, you know, kids from the neighborhood or from wherever. Um, and, and it's so cool. It happens very rarely, as you might imagine. Mm -hmm. But it's so cool when you see the same random, formerly stranger kid at the park on a totally different day, maybe weeks later or something, 
Um, it's a, it feel it feels like a miracle. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, you know that girl that you guys, oh my gosh, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's her, you know. <laughs> They can't even believe, like, what is the luck that we would ever have seen her again? Because they're used to so many different people and right. places all the time, yeah. even in the parks that we go to, I right? Can, yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah, we don't want to say, here are the five ways to optimize Storgate. We don't want to totally blow this thing out of the water in the wrong way. But suggesting that thinking about the value of the unstructured, familiar relationships that over time um, lead to this kind of affection or fondness or, mm -hmm. or should or could mm -hmm. um, and that you kind of have to make time and space for these things to not be designed but for these things to exist and say you know what that is important and it, we don't always need to be efficiently going here to do this and meeting with that person for this reason that maybe we could just open this up a little bit and say there's a lot more room for mm -hmm. interacting with people especially in the church but but in in just culture in your neighborhood um that doesn't have to be for something and right. it could be really really beautiful mm -hmm. and just sort of having having an awareness of who's around you um who's consistently around you and and trying to build up those of a sense of routine with them um, or in your life so that there's, like you said, yeah, it's not a, a shock. Like every time there's a, oh, there's, we saw that person again. It's like, no, <laughs> what if we like interacted with that parent and we're like, Hey, let's do this uh, next Tuesday, you know, yeah. uh, of like how, even for those people who aren't going to be our most intimate of friends, right. but how do we acknowledge each other enough so that people notice like oh where's so-and-so you know where's good old so-and-so good old so-and-so i want good old so-and-sos i want to be a good old so-and-so yeah me too yeah. i would love to be a regular at like a, a place where i walk in and they're like i i i have a bagel shack you do yeah those are my people <laughs> and i'm like i know my people i know their kids where the kids going to different wow. schools I haven't met their kids. I just talked to them you about our realities because I've probably been going to the same bagel place for like, I don't know, five years. Yeah. Um, and, and it is lovely. It is like, oh, like when I go there, I'm going to say hi to Anna and we're going to talk about school, talk about the kids, talk about whatever. And there's a, that's the only reason we know each other. And yet it is a real fondness uh, for real people um, because it's old so-and-so. Um, Laura, thank you so much for getting us going here with our new season. My I'm pleasure. glad you had a summer full of Turkish adventure in new yes. places. Yes, yes. And uh, and I'm also looking forward to the the familiarity of our routine as teachers. I know on the campus and with all the some new faces, but with the familiar faces, with the old so and sos, and with the dear friends and everything in between. Um, thank you for, for coming back to get us started again. And I'm looking forward to the next conversation. Me too. I will uh, I look forward to discussing friendship with you soon. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com click on newsletter and sign up there until then many thanks to producer zach leach for all the twists and turns and to lonesome and muddy the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse this has been from babylon with love